Low dump. Why are you shoveling your stews into our cargo boxes? Low dump, LD, baby. I mean, you can't just pour your stew into cardboard boxes and, and mail it to people. That, that's not how shipping works. That, that's not a subscription service. We're not going to do an ad read for your soggy box stew on the cargo bay. Well, that's uh, a pretty decent price. BC, we could almost get our own box of masterworks for that. If we're lucky, yeah. You know what? Maybe we will do that ad read, Lodum. But now, what are we thinking? We got to record a podcast. Open the cargo <laughs> bay doors. We got to talk about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> And welcome to the Cargo Bay, a Star Wars conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm Brady C, here with my co-host, Adam B. How do you feel about talking about some Return of the Jedi today? DC, I'm excited. This is one of my uh, my personal favorite movies, uh, as most Star Wars movies are, so <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. How, how about you? They somehow all make my list. Um... Yeah, this this one specifically was the one that as a kid like blew my mind open. So I'm excited to get into it. Let's dive right in, shall we? Like we're jumping off that little uh, plank into the Sarlacc. Huh? Yeah, let's let's jump off the plank into the Sarlacc. Programming note for anyone who's tuning in: we're gonna spoil Star Wars. We do it every single week. So if you haven't watched it. Go check it out. You really should watch those movies before you listen to this podcast. And then if you are watching it for the first time, hit us up on our social medias. We're at the Cargo Bay Pod on Twitter, Instagram. You can send us an email about your thoughts and feelings about Star Wars at thecargobaypod at protonmail.com. That's right, BC. And uh, somewhere in this episode, I will be inserting a secret passphrase, which will be for the giveaway this week, BC. <gasps> So wait, if, bre breaking news! Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did do? We got a giveaway this week. That's right, BC. I am putting on the table a Star Wars Galaxy Chrome um, <gasps> X-wing refractor. I, I believe the card's name is actually escaping the AT ATs. That's um, a sweet card. ATSTs, excuse me. Um, so yeah, one of those will be going up on the socials, and then a, a little later in this episode, I will be inserting a little secret passphrase and if you email us uh you can win that card and i imagine bc not that many people are going to be entering this uh according to our analytics so you have a good chance of winning is what i'm saying that's that's very exciting it's it's like we're giving away free money with star wars galaxy chrome i'll tell you that right now um so make sure you enter that secret passphrase uh and get your get your free card or a chance for a free card. Um, very cool. Very exciting. Um, yeah. So with with that general cargo bay housekeeping out of the way, you want to get in the episode? Let's do it. All right. So let's start by taking a trip down memory lane. What are your first memories of Star Wars 
Return of the Jedi. I think I mentioned last week that I got in a little bit of trouble uh, after watching Empire and therefore had to wait a... I, I don't remember how long it was, but it felt like a long time before I got to see Return of the Jedi after Empire. Um, this is this is because you wanted to kill all the bad guys and your yeah. parents said probably, probably maybe slow them down a little bit on any sort of do getting justice and violence at the moment. Yeah, I think so. That was that was it. I was playing Dark Forces. I was too excited about playing Dark Forces, and um, uh, they they slowed my roll a little bit uh, on that because I was, you know, like I said, I was four, I think, maybe three, three or four when I saw these. So there was there was like a an air of like it's nice that we're letting you watch these. These are adult movies compared to what you're used to, little boy. Yeah. <laughs> Normally we let you watch the cartoons here. I mean, letting a child watch Empire Strikes Back after watching it last week is kind of like, it's a pretty serious movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, of course, enjoyed myself. Um, I don't remember how I felt about there being another Death Star. I think that's something that probably stuck out to me a little bit. And I remember also just kind of being sad that it was over, uh, that there wasn't another movie after. Um, and then the the other thing I remember is this is the first movie I remember going to someone else's house and it was on the TV and it was like, whoa, you watch Star Wars, too. This is awesome. So you're part of the amazing secret club that I also know of. <laughs> Welcome, friend. Very exclusive club. Speak friend and enter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Lord of the Rings reference for everybody out there. <laughs> What about you, BC? What are, what are your early Return of the Jedi memories? Uh, so vague, vague like all of my other memories at this point. It does still bleed into an original, just like watching off of a taped version. But Green Lightsaber. This is the thing that most sticks out in my brain. Yeah. Um, as the thing that... The same way that... The Jedi mind trick in A New Hope sort of like made me go, whoa, the green lightsaber in this movie made me do that. But like times a hundred, it can be a green lightsaber. <laughs> um, that's the greatest thing of all time. So, um, yeah, it was definitely the, the Luke Jedi Knight glow up that happens yeah. in this movie. I had an obsession that revolved around the Luke jedi knight look and the green lightsaber oh, it's so cool. um it, it it embedded itself in my brain so much so to the point that like that was always the figure that i wanted and i think i talked a little bit about this might have been the new hope episode um where we went to like flea markets and stuff after they first showed me those movies to like find star wars toys because they just like it didn't there was no power of the force yet right yeah so i i was always i always wanted a luke Jedi Knight with the green lightsaber action figure and could never find one. And I remember going to the store, going to Walmart when Power of the Force first came out and seeing on the rack jacked Luke Skywalker <laughs> yeah. with this like one piece molded black cloak that sort of like yeah. clipped around his neck. I know. And that there, oh, I'm I'm. Probably going to go buy one off of eBay as soon as we're done recording this. Um, <laughs> and there was the green lightsaber was in the packaging. And I was probably, 
I was out of, quote unquote, out of my Star Wars phase at this point. Because Power of the Force is what, like 96 or 7 or something like that? I think they might have started coming out as early as 94, 95. Really? I could be wrong. Okay. Okay, because I'm I'm not super clear on that timeline, but for me, it it felt like it was probably when I would have seen this, I would have been out of my Star Wars phase. So I'd put myself at like 11 years old, just on the cusp of like too cool for Star Wars. I'm doing something else at that point, but definitely felt like I wasn't going into action figures because I remember seeing it on the shelf and being embarrassed to ask for money from my parents to be like, can I get this? Because I did. I was like, I know I need this. Yeah. I've never seen this. It's Jedi Knight Luke. I want this. And I, they got it for me. And it was vividly remember having the feeling of like, am I too old to be getting this now? But not caring at all because that's how deep my love ran for the Jedi Knight Luke. And everything about it. That jacked look on those figures. I remember my mother saying at one point or another uh power of the force looks like power of the muscle <laughs> like just yeah. kind of la- laughing at and also the facial mold of luke on those figures he looks really kind of doofy <laughs> that's the, the face fe- he's got like purse pushed out lips um <laughs> the, the features are so small and the chest is so jacked <laughs> They're wild figures, but I didn't care because it was the costume and it Uh was the lightsaber. And I was like, I want it. I need it. I can't tell you how badly I wanted that flap on a shirt, that like little fold over flap where it's like preacher's collar, like folds over. (laughs) And it's gray on the inside. So you get a little contrast. It's Uh nice. It's a good look. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I'm with you, BC. That green lightsaber, that Jedi look. Uh. Man, it had an impact, that's for sure. I mean, it was the thing as a kid that 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 just rocked my world. And I think really made me dive deep into my love of Star Wars. More so than... I, I, I mean, like I said, Empire, I have memories of being like confused about the Darth Vader's father thing. Um, being sort of captivated by A New Hope. But this one, I was just like... Heroes win, bad guys lose, green lightsabers are awesome, Star Wars is the greatest thing of all time. That that last space battle, too. Just, like, my eyes, you know, glued open as a child. Yeah. Um, it, and now, what am I talking about? <laughs> now I just kind of <laughs> tune out and I'm like, this is dumb. Um, yeah. Well, what, what did the critics have to say about this, BC? Or at least a selection of two of our favorites. Two of our favorites that we like returning to. Um, I'll do I'll do noted fuddy-duddy Vincent Canby from okay. the New York Times. Um, he had this to say. Return of the Jedi, written by Lawrence Kazan and Mr. Lucas and directed by Richard Marquand, doesn't really end the trilly, trilogy as much as it brings it to a dead stop. The film, which opens today at Lowe's Astor Plaza and other theaters, is by far... The dimmest adventure of the lot. Noted fuddy-duddy, obviously. (laughs) It's extra funny to me, VC, just because he's already trashed Star Wars movies. There's just like no power left in it. It's like, this one is even worse than the other ones I didn't like. He's, He's like, I haven't convinced you to stop watching these yet. I'm not going to. This one sucks. 
whatever. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I think this is uh, for sure critically out of the lot that had been out thus far. The one you can give the most flack to uh, without a doubt. You know, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not really going to no. blame any critic for not praising this this one no and i i don't mean to be be such a, a vincent can be naysayer it is just kind of funny how much his disdain for star wars has run through the original trilogy where he's like i've been on this corner the whole time these suck i don't know why you people are paying money to go see them and then on the other hand yes. we've got i he's got to be one of the truest star wars fans one of the great critical thinkers and writers about star wars mr roger ebert what did roger ebert have to say here we go bc i, I think this is a uh, this is a beautiful review here yeah um it's poetry it's a little long but it's poetry so here is just one small moment in return of the jedi a moment you could miss if you looked away from the screen but a moment that helps explain the special magic of the star wars movies Luke Skywalker is engaged in a ferocious battle in the dungeons beneath the throne room of loathsome Jabba the Hutt. His adversary is a slimy, gruesome reptilian monster made of warts and teeth. Things are looking bad when suddenly the monster is crushed beneath the falling door. And then, here is a small moment, there's a shot of the monster's keeper, a muscle-bound jailer who rushes forward in tears. He is brokenhearted at the destruction of his pet. Everybody loves somebody. It's that extra level of detail that makes the Star Wars pictures much more than just space operas. Other movies might approach the special effects. Other action pictures might approximate the sense of swashbuckling adventure. But in Return of the Jedi, as in Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, there's such a wonderful density to the canvas. Things are happening all over. They're pouring forth from imagination so fertile that, yes, we do halfway believe that in this crazy galactic empire long ago and far, far away. Raj, my guy, nailing it. He's he's so clear, clearly seeing this movie as it will be seen in the future in in the moment because uh, he's a he's a smart feller, also able to see things with the eyes of a child. Um, and he's having a great time. It's true. Like he, he, the the I mean, we can do a whole podcast probably on Roger Ebert's reviews and how like prescient they are. Yeah. But it, I think the point you make is great because he is able to like simultaneously put himself in in an audience's view. Right. But also still have his really good writing and smart critical lens and being able to like project in the future how these things will be seen. So not just like, here's a review in the moment of this movie, but here's the things about Star Wars that are lasting, you know, which I think is an incredible, incredible feat to have as a reviewer, because a lot of times you're reacting to the thing in the moment now, but he's got this sort of sense about movies lasting, you know, which they, of course they do. They have a life after their theatrical release, but the way that he sees Star Wars really plays out into what happens with the future of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And that that the way he describes the Jabba's palace sequence is like, yeah, that's how my like the child part of my brain hangs on to that scene. Like the non-critical part of my brain is like, whoa, look at this awesome dungeon adventure. Like how often do you get to see stuff like this, man? <laughs> but uh, And Vincent Canby's just like, this is 
an affront to cinema. <laughs> Why are we celebrating the keeper of the rancor? <laughs> Man, it, uh, what a what a beautiful role um, being the rancor keeper in this film, in this movie here. And uh, and and it's you know it's just a small moment, but rancor keeper. Uh, it comes up now. That's... Danny Trejo as Rancor Keeper. You, see, you get will... the it it deepens the emotional attachment too for previous Rancor Keeper because we learn that like there are these sweet smart beasts or whatever. <laughs> sweet like to... smart beasts, but but also you know abuse them and use them. <laughs> abuse them, use them, and then have them just just annihilate a city like they're a kaiju. You know, um, yeah, but whatever. Um, but you you know it. It does make that moment back then, like Roger says, you know, it's 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 sweet. It's a it's a everybody loves somebody moment, and it gives that character a a nice little scene in Star Wars. There's a lot of that that beautiful uh, texture, especially in this uh, yeah. Java's Palace opening. But BC, should Ooh. we should we get into what we do here uh, on the cargo bay in the cargo bay and balance the force? I think we should. Balance the force. But first, an ad read from Low Dump. Are you tired of going all the way to the grocery store to get your stews? Do you ever wonder, why can't my stew come straight to my front door? Wonder no more because now thanks to Low Dump subscription stews, you can have all the stew you want sent straight to you. Now with 30% more chunks. That's right. With the Low Dump Subscription Stew Service, your favorite chef will personally mail your favorite stew straight to you in a cardboard box. Will wonders never cease? Grumba grum grumba do gum, grumba de grum grew. What was that? It it says to read the catchphrase here in the ad copy, and that's all that was written down. Oh, what does that even mean? I have no idea. Uh, Go to lowdumpstews.gov. .gov? I, I don't know. Go to lowdumpstews.gov and enter code CARGOBAY at checkout for 10% off your first stew. What a deal! <laughs> Welcome back to the Cargo Bay. Um, we're about to balance the force of Return of the Jedi. Uh, and by that, we mean we're going to try to talk about equal parts, good and bad, BC. Um, so I, I could talk about this movie endlessly, BC. I've settled on a few things that I haven't talked about as much <laughs> in, in the past, I feel like. Um, and and I think this is a movie that we can balance, though, as, as much as I love this movie. I think we will be able to hit some dark sides in this one. Yeah, I, we've I would say the last couple weeks we. I don't know, we've been a little imbalanced with how much praise we've been heaping upon Star Wars, um, and that's fine because we're looking at all of these movies, right? And I, I think in a little bit, we might have some more dark side energy coming our way, and that's that's fine. Um, but for this one, I, I definitely feel, after having watched this most recently, that my balance of the Force is going to be a lot more on point than, say, what happened last week when I was just like, Empire Strikes Back's the greatest movie of all time! So, <laughs> where do you want to start? You want to start light side? You want to start dark side? 
Um, uh, let's let's start on the light side, BC. I love it. Um, should we? What should we start? I see, BC, that one of your light sides is uh, Act One here. Can we? Should we just start with Act One? Act One. Yeah, let's start Act One. I think there's a lot to like in Act One. Not to say we won't have maybe a few dark side uh, quibbles that come in there, but um, I rewatching this and. It is so strange having watched all of these consecutively because you do start to see how clear the structure of a Star Wars movie is. Yeah. Act one, 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, like 30 minutes of act one, an hour of the middle, uh -huh. which, which is we're going to drive the plot forward and give you a lot of information. Finale, right? Half an hour. You know, it's sort of like this is the plot structure of a star wars movie it's pretty firm you maybe shave a, a few minutes on either side of that but usually it's like half hour middle hour finale um i really loved the the half hour of going to tatooine going into jabba's palace um having having the like the mystery of of what's going on there because i had you know i've seen this so many times now it's fun to turn off the, like, I've seen this before filter uh -huh. and be like, that's Leia. Like, Leia's going in there dressed as a bounty hunter, like, yeah. doing legitimately, like, badass stuff and, like, on a mission, you know, popping a thermal detonator, going into this den of thieves. And you have no idea who this character is when you're watching it, right? Like, we don't know that that's Leia. Yeah. There's, there's no hint or indication other than, I mean, they're kind of short, you know? <laughs> But, but like, it was fun turning that part of my brain off and watching this and being like, oh, this is kind of like a, like a mysterious kind of opening. We're going into this, into this, like, new underworld place with new creatures that we haven't seen before. Um, so the start of, of that, I thought is, is a lot of fun. And so that's my just jumping off of my, my act one. Any other thoughts you have? in that general sort of Tatooine up to the barge area. I think the things, some of the things that make it dated and some of the 80, 80s-ness of it are actually, it makes it more fun, right? Like Luke's terrible haircut just makes things more fun, <laughs> like for me. Um, and I love I love an opening adventure. Um, give me that, that concise, I can cut it out and make it a mini movie um, opening. Any it, day of the week. It's a it is a great like it's a fantastic episode of television as like a 30 yeah. minute, 30 minute episode of TV. Like you get so much in there. Um, you get you get confrontation, you get mystery, you get intrigue. Um, there's some weird romance stuff that's that's going on in there as well. Um, but yeah, hey, it's, let me. Let me use this opportunity then, uh, BC, to throw out one of my dark sides, uh, which is just, you know, the the slave Leia uh, costume <laughs> specifically, because I know Carrie Fisher did not have a good time uh, mm -mm. Uh, with that at all. Um, it's become like this kind of weird cultural thing. Um, kind of. I, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, I don't need it. 
Um, and I don't like watching it knowing like, oh, Carrie Fisher was really uncomfortable throughout this, uh, understandably. <laughs> like, so that that taints the the air a little bit for me. Um, but, you know, at, at least she gets to kill Jabba. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's like uh, at least she gets to strangle Jabba in the most violent death in the franchise. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, I mean, the the hypersexualization that exists in this is kind of like that choice doesn't age super great. No, it's um, really weird in a kid, a movie for little kids to have yeah. Jabba like pulling her close and being like. Unless we forget also Ula, who also has a hypersexualization as yeah. like the most scantily clad, almost completely nude character that exists in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, maybe like the having the sex slaves in a kids movie. Can we just take two minutes to discuss that and maybe <laughs> rethink this? <laughs> like, no, no, keep the sex slaves in there. I think We're this is going to be now. It's the eighties, baby, <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, not a, not a great look. I, I will say I, Ula bothers me less because I think whoever, you know, the person who played Ula, who I've seen, you know, in the convention circuit, like yeah. n- knew what they were signing up for. Sure. And probably had a good time. And I also don't mind it as texture in the film. I'm not like I don't want my child to see a naked woman dancing. I don't right. have a child. Um, yeah. So he can watch whatever he wants or they can watch whatever <laughs> they want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a weird, weird choice. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, it's not like I, I have some attachment to it, I guess. I don't know. I just, I wish it weren't there. Well, cut the slave Leia costume out. She can just be in a cell or, you know, in a slightly less weird costume. Yeah, uh, that's, that's all. Um, I mean, that's probably the hottest take that's ever existed on the cargo bay too. I mean, you know, people are going to be running at with, running at us with, you know, pitchforks and knives and stuff, but Hey. Whatever, we said what we said, and we believe it, so deal with it, you weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Nobody listens to this. (laughs) Please, Uh, please come after us. Please give us any attention at all. Insert the secret listening code here. (laughs) Here it is. Here's the secret phrase to win that that card. The uh, atomic refractor of escaping the ATSTs. The secret phrase is twin ion engine. Uh, So email twin ion engine to the cargo bay pod at protonmail.com and you'll be entered in that raffle. But you have to be comfortable with me sending something to your address or P.O. box. So deal with that. I'm very comfortable because I'm going to email that. I'm just kidding. I'm not <laughs> eligible. I'm not eligible. I'm not eligible. Um, yeah, so that's that's definitely a, a dark side that exists in Act 1. I want to get to uh, something that's going to start in Act 1 and continue throughout the movie. But let's let's start with Harrison Ford. <laughs> Dark side? Can it be? That's how I feel. This is a dark. This is a dark side. Harrison Ford performance. He has no. He has no desire to be in this movie. Yeah, he's he's clearly you know he's Indiana Jones at this point. Um, I I can't remember. He was before Empire as well, right? Maybe not. I think Empire is eighty. Man, he he may have been working on Indiana Jones at that point. I mean, he's. 
I, I think the, maybe the first one's already out. The first Indiana Jones is already out at this point. I think so. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think he gets the job done. BC when when I watched it, I was like, it's it's still good. It's still Harrison Ford, but they're definitely you know he's not. He's not glowing like and popping off the screen as he does in the other other two movies. No, and it, it's I think part of this is and I think we kind of talked about, you know, the tonally that Empire Strikes Back f- feels very adult. This movie reverts to a much more of a, a kid's movie, except for uh, the sex slaves that we just talked about. Um, uh-huh. I, and it it's in the writing. I think it's in the directing that the the kind of the harder edge of of the Han Solo character is just it's it doesn't exist in this movie, which is I think one of the things that resonates most with me about Han Solo as a character is the like the scoundrel kind of the danger that exists in him. And this one's like this is the plush version, this yeah. is the teddy bear Han Solo, this is action figure Han Solo, and it's he he didn't want to be in the movie. He yeah. was not contracted to be in this movie. He was convinced to be in the movie. He wanted to have Han Solo killed. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. But here's your paycheck. So come do the movie. And it's like, I also would have pretty mixed feelings if I was like, I initially was not contracted to be in this movie. They're not listening to my honestly brilliant idea for the <laughs> character in this movie of having like a sacrificial play for Han Solo that makes that makes the danger more real. But they're like, yeah. no, we're going to go towards the teddy bear demographic in this movie. So we can't kill you. Um, but I, I just have like having him come out of the carbon, you know, the carbonite freeze is just. There's part of me that just wishes like, what what would the version without Han Solo be like? Or what would the version with Han Solo knowing that he's going to get killed be like? And it, it just kind of colors the entire performance from like. It just really does seem like he's phoning some of this in. What's like, I'm a movie star. I'll give you one take. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there's a, the, the one moment that really stuck out to me is, you know, there's a scene where they they run the stormtroopers out and they're surrounded by Ewoks and he gives a kind of like Harrison Ford shrug. And it's like he really didn't want to do that. man. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's an iconic shot of him just going, eh, you know, and you're like, Really? Like, who's... I don't know. It's the direction, the writing of this movie definitely skewed towards the dark side, just compared to what we came off of with Empire and even A New Hope. But, like, the the quality does feel a step lower on this for some reason. Yeah, I can't argue with that, uh, BC. I, I think over the course of my life, uh, my, my rankings shift around, but I think this is the Star Wars movie that I've decided I have gotten the most joy out of. Um, I, I told you, I think this is the best Star Wars to watch at a bar. This is the best <laughs> Star Wars to watch on TV. <laughs> like, it gets broken up really well. And it looks kind of like a TV movie. It looks like a super high-budget TV movie. Um, yeah, it it does, It which is weird. I think it's because, like, outside of the big action set pieces, just standard shots, shot, reverse shot conversations and, like, long melodramatic exposition conversations. Which which leads me to this thing that, and this is, this is an overall thing, not just 
the first act, which we've been discussing. The director, Richard Marquand, mm-hmm. Marquand, I, I, sorry, I'm butchering your name. His, I looked up his IMDb, and it's like Return of the Jedi, and then nothing yeah. else I've ever heard of before. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you get this job? Because it looks like George was like, I need a puppet that I can just make him do whatever I want. And it, it feels that way. Like there's there's no the sense of direction is TV direction, shot reverse shot. You know, there's very little like intriguing camera work. There's very little like you know vision in the direction of this movie, other than shot reverse shot, get the shot we need, move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, the the special effects stuff looks great. Like the space yeah. battle looks like it was directed with passion and purpose um well i think and i don't i take all of this with a grain of salt but i think i read that that lucas directed the the sort of the b the b team so the the secondary unit i think george had a lot of hands-on and apparently he was like right behind the director so much so to the point that he was like yeah it was really weird that he was standing next to me the entire time i was directing this movie oh man you know what i mean it's like oh that sounds not great no that does not sound like fun at all but obviously george lucas loves his cars and his speed um and he's good at it man it looks great (laughs) it looks really good yep uh speaking of looking really good and being on the vehicle front this is an act one revelation Seeing that Imperial shuttle, baby. Oh, that's light side. Ooh, I love it. That is one of my favorite design ships in Star Wars. Um, It is. It is so cool. Uh, I wanted one so bad. Yeah. As much as I love, you know, a TIE fighter, a TIE bomber, Vader's advanced TIE fighter. I I think it's probably my favorite Imperial ship. It's the shuttle. Yeah, I like that take. Hot take. <laughs> I like that take, BC. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was just talking about it a little bit, so I'll just go ahead and get get my light side out. Um, yeah, it the 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 in space battle in this is is huge for me. Like, it's and so much so that I don't even care that it's a Death Star two. I don't care that it's basically a better version of what we get in Episode four. Um, I like that that Wedge Antilles gets like an arc had to pull out in the first movie. Let's just make him like in charge and doing cool stuff this whole movie. Um, and and Lando in the Falcon, uh, me and Numb in there. It, it's it's all awesome. I think I think uh, Billy D. Williams adds a lot to this uh, this movie. Uh, yeah, I think he's fantastic. It seeing him, you know, knowing that he's got a history with the Falcon, yeah. knowing that, that at one point was his ship, and seeing him be able to rock a death star in that thing is kind of like makes sense yeah pretty sweet yeah yeah it's a smart smart move to be like here here here's the reins to your your favorite ship back for a while um and the computer that you once had a relationship with. yeah i wish they would have explored that l337 (laughs) bringing the the brain of the falcon and lando like just any part of that would have been good i just want a digital insertion of a shot of like me and Numb coming around the corner and Lando being like kissing the, the wall or something and looking over his shoulder. <laughs> like a force ghost of L3 guiding him with her hand on his shoulder as he's making the flight, you know? <laughs> Just like giving a tiny little massage. 
Um, things we didn't know about the Falcon in 1983. Uh-huh. Fun stuff. Um, oh, I want to address this quickly. Just because it, it, I don't know if it's dark side. I don't know if it's light side. Maybe it's balanced. The death of Boba Fett is freaking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny. It is. I, I don't know if it's intentionally comedic, but it plays as one of the funniest Star Wars moments of watching Mister Mister Badass Bounty Hunter just get Boba Fett. Boba Fett, where dead? <laughs> Or not. I, One of our many instances of falling down a hole and not being dead. But uh, in the moment, that being how everyone's like, oh, he's the scariest. He's so menacing. He's like, nah, he just fell down a hole because he got booped. That's why I'd, I'd never like he never resonated with me in a big way as a kid because I was like, yeah, he looks cool. But also like he's kind of a chump. And this <laughs> like and so I never was like a huge fan until um uh, Mandalorian season two, and I was like, "Now I'm on board. We got Morrison in the role. This is gonna be awesome." Um, we'll talk about Book of Boba Fett again some other day, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, it's very funny, and I love all the co- comedic relief of Han not being able to see in that fight scene. Like, it's very funny too when Lando is like a little higher. <laughs> no, 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 blind man, higher, higher. <laughs> Yeah, uh, again, Billy D just like killing it too. He's very looks genuinely terrified. Yeah, and it's I think it's the best part of of Han's arc in this movie to me is is the opening arc. Yeah, because he does have that device. Yeah, that that like I just came out of the carbonite freeze. I'm blind and my senses are all out of whack. So it gives it gives Harrison Ford something really fun to play as an actor of like. I can't see there's hijinks that ensue. So it like kind of you're kind of forgiving of of sort of the lighter elements that don't hold up as well as when he can see. And you're just like, <laughs> what happened to Han Solo? <laughs> I, I before I forget, BC, I saw something I never noticed before. I was watching the despecialized version. Mm-hmm. Um, so as close to the theatrical as I can get. I forgot that or I never even noticed Chewbacca gets shot. And Han says, you're hit, you know, like like he's concerned for Chewbacca and there is blood on Chewbacca's leg. There's oh. there's like this bloody matted, you know, there's like blood in his fur on his leg. I'd never seen that before. Um, I think I've completely missed that. I've I've not seen it. I also watched the despecialized version. Thanks for for sending that my way. I'll tell you what I didn't miss was an updated pop number in Jabba's palace original music just fine yeah. why are we messing with Cy Snoodles why are we messing with Bob Marley and the Jizz Whalers I, I it's much better it's the original is much better man it, it's another again like showing the updated versions to a new to someone who hasn't seen them that's another point where it's like I'm sorry this is embarrassing it wasn't in the, <laughs> it wasn't it, in the thing that I is, love it is the wildest swing I think of like more than like the Dubex, more than Han walking over digital job of the hut. This is just like, why did we decide to put in size noodles, whatever pop number this is? Why does this exist? How many people had to give this idea the green light and be like, yep, we should definitely add this in. I, I'm like, thinking this is uh, one of the dumbest things ever it'll go something like (laughs) 
Uh, and then someone's just holding a recorder directly to George's mouth and like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want, we'll go draw it up straight from the horse's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good rendition. I gotta give you that. Thank Pretty you, thank good. you. Pretty Let's do it many times more than I've ever wanted to. Yeah, uh, I, I did not... I did not miss it watching the the despecialized version. I didn't miss it at all. So whatever. I I, uh, I I want to jump on on top of a dark side here, BC. Uh, just trying. To, there's so much I want to get through. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest dark side, um, aside from that that Leia outfit, is the Luke Leia Han bridge scene um, in the Ewok village. Or the Ewoks are like, you're part of the tribe. And it's funny because they all immediately leave. <laughs> They're like, they, they, all right, well, we got to go. go. <laughs> I got to walk out of this celebration for us right now. And it's where Luke and Leia have the scene where Luke reveals that um, their brother and sister, they kiss after, which is weird. Um, weirded me out further as a kid where it was like, wait, now they know their brother and sister. And then Han comes out and has, you know, a a soap opera scene with with Leia. Oh, it looks. I weird. get it. You want to be with him? Huh? I was like, and I think I did that about eighty percent accurately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, uh, yeah, incest still a dark side. Um, <laughs> and it, it's so it's it's clear in this movie. That they're like, we really got to fix this incest stuff that's been going on, yeah. man. Like, yeah. they're brother and sister, George. Like, you really put us in a pickle by making that decision because you had them smooching and having spit swap just hanging from each other's, like, a connection of saliva in Empire Strikes Back. And George is like, well, these are the choices I've made. They're brother and sister. We're going to deal with it now. And you're like... Oh, great. The moment that rings so clear and it was so funny when <laughs> when when Alec Guinness comes in for his one day of like grudge shooting and it's like <laughs> All right, now Luke, you got to bury your feelings for your sister deep down. Yeah, to, yeah to, to to hide from the empire. Not because it's a moral absolute wrong that you have totally wanted to bone your sister for two movies. And everyone who's watched Star Wars knows it. Because that has been clear as day. We need to put that to rest. It's because of the Empire and they'll find you. So bury your feelings deep down. No. Incest feelings. That's exactly how that reads. They're like, And he's got this look on his face of like, my sister? Oh, <laughs> man. Leia's my sister. And then you just flash back to that saliva just dangling for like like slow motion between the two of them. And he's just thinking about that spit and how much he loved that moment of their... Like he could feel the saliva connecting that. Say, and like, see, I've never noticed that spit strand before. <laughs> you, well, I'm telling you, watch it. It stands out to me every time as, as the most disgusting thing. <laughs> Because I can't stop thinking about the fact that they're brother and sister, and they kept it in. And they, but, the, but they didn't know. Of course, they didn't know. Why else would they have left that in the movie if they knew at that time? 
it, it's such a bummer uh again like you said to have so much time devoted to that and clearing that up and it, it's yeah we it's gotta a do a mid-movie like, retcon oh i know what'll fix it I, i've always known somehow i've always known she was my sister that doesn't help ah, it makes it worse <laughs> it makes it so much worse you know what i feel like i have always known and yet I continue to do the things that I didn't feel the way that I felt. <laughs> Not great. Not great. Uh, yeah. The, the, the mid the mid film retcon. It does not do all the heavy lifting that they are hoping it does. No. Because obvious we still talk about it. It's one of the talking points about the original choice that people are just like, listen. You're, these movies are fantastic. You're going to love them. There is a little brother-sister stuff, but other than that, they're totally normal. <laughs> you're like, wait, wait, go back to that brother-sister thing? What? Don't worry about it. It's, it's a sentence. They're stepsisters? Stepsisters, no, stepbrother? No, no. They're, they're actually twins. <laughs> born, born of the same womb, which makes it worse for me because we all know twins, right? Everyone, everyone out there listening, you guys know twins. Um, they have that weird yeah, force like bar. Yeah, amazing in it. Him and Danny DeVito look just alike. Um, they've got that. They've got that weird like twin ESP thing where they can read each other's mind. I don't know if you've ever sensed that. Like, I, I've got a two of my best friends are twins, and they do have a weird like. I knew my brother was going to show up right now. Like, I knew he was going to call me, and he's like freaking twins, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it it makes it worse because they're brother and sister. They're both force sensitive. And they're twins, and he admits to knowing, and then it still happens. It's like it's all it all just gets worse. It just gets worse and worse on the incest front. However, I'm able to just sweep that aside because you know what? I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> it is just something I've had to deal with my my whole life. Basically, is like this part sucks. <laughs> this is bad. But PC, I I will I will uh, lighten our mood a little bit, hopefully, by Please. talking about. I, I oh. told you yesterday. I think my current favorite thirty seconds of Star Wars is uh, Luke on the uh, the speeder bike, getting uh, knocked off the speeder bike, pulling out his lightsaber, reflecting those laser bolts, um, and chopping the speeder bike in half. <laughs> it's it's just very cool. Speeder bike is a definite light side. Stands out to me a lot as well from my original watch because I also wanted a speeder bike toy. A lot of my original memories are like, I want that toy. <laughs> um, speeder bike and then also the, like the poncho look with the helmet. I was like, those are cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, the speeder bike chase through the, through the Redwoods is awesome. Scout um, troopers are cool. Yeah. Scout troopers look cool. It's nice to see a new design on things. Um, and I think I want to open it up more generally to you. You've already brought up the bridge scene and I, I took us off on a weird incest divergence. So I apologize about that. Um, I mean, it's relevant. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is topical. Um, but the entire, the, in, the middle sequence, right? Our middle hour, we spend a lot of time on indoor. We spend a lot of time with Ewoks. Um, the speeder bike chase is a highlight for me. Like that is the best part of of indoor for me. I I don't so much love like you were saying that you're part of the tribe. We're walking away. The the manipulation of those tiny little bears' <laughs> minds. 
by Luke using the Force <laughs> and his C-3PO magic. You're kind of like, eh, what what are we doing to the natives? Like, it, yeah, it does yeah. have sort of like a colonizer feel to it. That's that's not super great. Um, where it's like, we're going to come in and trick the locals. And Luke uh, definitely has a sense of like, I don't really care at what cost. Like, I like he feels his own power so much that he's just like, my mission is what's most important in the world. And I, and I get it. He's got to, you know, he's got to confront his father and and become a Jedi and, you know, save his friends. Big theme of the movie. But it does give me some mixed feelings about, you know, colonizers coming in and and tricking natives. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I can uh, buy it. Earning it, it their trust and sending them immediately to war. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're part of the tribe. I got to leave. You guys take care of the bad guys. Um, <laughs> I, oh, you know what? And, and this, while we're on it, Ewok death. Uh-huh. That stood out to me as a kid, too, on a first watch. Because uh-huh. I, Because I had to have been young. But I didn't believe that it, that someone would that one of the the good people, in this case a bear, could die. <laughs> and I remember being very affected by the Ewok death. I was like, "What? No, he he can't die." And like, yeah, we couldn't kill Han Solo, so we killed a teddy bear. It is. It's wild uh, to me because I, a lot of times the, the flack that the Ewoks get aren't what you're talking about, BC, which is part of what rubs me the wrong way, which is like, <laughs> oh, this represents kind of like some nasty stuff. Uh, but it's like <laughs> uh, the Ewoks would never beat the Empire and like the fight scenes are not believable and like fair. Uh, but it is interesting. It's not like they don't kill Ewoks. They do. <laughs> so like, It's pretty crazy. It's very sad. Like it's still for me watching the, the Ewok like come try to wake his friend up is it's tragic. It still like hurts me more than a person dying in a movie because it reminds me of like a dog finding out that another dog has died. It's like the saddest <laughs> thing I can imagine. It is ex- it is exactly like, it it is one of the saddest things I've ever seen because yeah, it yeah. is that sense of like hey get up I'm not even get sure up. what death is you know like they don't have yes. the concept totally locked down <laughs> like and I was I was like watching this the concept of death for a child is a pretty mature thing that you quickly have to explain as a parent. <laughs> that can be kind of challenging where it's like what happened to him why isn't he getting up well one day everyone's gonna die <laughs> me you everyone around you dead and that's what happened to that ewok what <laughs> um, it's just kind of like a bummer but it is super sad because like they are these innocent looking creatures they've got those big there's something about big circular eyes that just make anything look like innocent and naive and that has like a a playful youthful spirit and seeing it close its eyes from death you're just kind of like well that's the worst (laughs) (laughs) it's a pretty there's it it sticks in my head so much that kind of shift in the battle where it's like the ewoks are winning and then they're not for a while and the atsts are splintering the trees and uh, the the lights a light side for me is the cutting in between these three these three sequences. Uh, it it flows really well. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, yeah. The Ewok death a, a pro or a con there, BC. Um I can't I can't make that a pro. I gotta make it a con. But I do I do I I'll dislike Ewok negativity. I don't I don't like the they could never I don't I don't ascribe to that thinking. That's I'm like they're they're natives, they know the territory. They've been invaded, and they know how to... Yeah, how, how do you beat a chicken walker in the forest? You roll some logs at its leg, because it's a stupid design. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Like, it's on two giant legs. Trip it. You know? Like, okay, cool. Um, yeah. They use the terrain. They know the land. I have no qualms with the Ewoks. Yeah, the um, Ewoks, for however, you know, I... I, I th- have felt about the Ewoks do feel about the Ewoks. They are, they are a part of star Wars. Uh, I would not remove them. Um, you know, like, um, like, is it, is it my favorite part of star Wars? No, but I think tonally it completely fits this movie, which does aim to be, I think geared towards a younger audience. So it's like, it makes sense. And I didn't question it as a kid yeah. at all. Yeah. The same way that as a, as a young kid, I didn't really question Jar Jar Binks all that much because it was written to such a low age, right? Like the target audience for those things is like a child. Of course, as an adult, you can be like, well, this is kind of silly. It's all silly. Like every, everything about this is silly. Yeah. I think that was, that was noted in one of the reviews last, last week or from a new hope where it's like, this is supposed to be fun and funny. And, and that I believe in, right? That like, I, I, of course, as an adult, I can go space bears fighting in an entire galactic empire. Please, that's not believable. But then I go, you know what? This takes place in a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And everything's a made up space opera. So, like, I, I, bought, I bought the Ewoks as a kid. I buy them now. Yeah, I'm I'm. I do remember thinking, why aren't the stormtroopers shooting at them? And so, like, mm. as a child, there are a few shots where it's like, shoot your gun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm at least balanced on the Ewoks. Fair. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say ba- balance is, is where Ewoks fall for me. It's, it's not like a, a light or a dark. It's just like they exist in the movie. We can't change it. I accept them. Um, uh, BC, I am going to burn through the rest of my light side, dark side right quick because we are way over time. Uh, burn them, baby. But, uh, I guess my my last um, my last light side here, my my biggest light side, and I'll just leave the dark sides out um, for the sake of time. Um, I love the uh, the Luke and Vader meet up on the uh, the platform. Uh, It's a great, great scene. Um, I don't know. I I love Mark Hamill in that scene. I love uh, the the way it sets up that that final battle. Uh, It's it's fun to watch. Yeah, definite light side, Luke Vader finale. We're into the finale part, our final 30 minutes. We're intercutting with our our indoor stuff. Um, the father-son battle, knowing knowing the stakes of it and and like seeing Luke be tempted to the dark side, like that's something that didn't register for me as a kid, but having him in black is a an obvious choice, right? The fact that that there is a chance that our hero could could turn to the dark side, that there is someone who is actively working to do that. And seeing him refuse that, to see the light in his father, to save him at the end through a fight is great. 
Uh, I mentioned this to you. We've got uh, we've got a moment of him tossing a lightsaber. So there's precedent for him just chucking a lightsaber. That's right. For when we get to Last Jedi, that lightsaber uh, throw—it's a uh, a very popular move in video games. Jedi use yeah. it all the time in video games because why wouldn't you? Well, but I mean, this is like. I'm not going to use my lightsaber. Oh, you're talking. Oh, you're talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, Luke saying like I'm becoming a pacifist I'm, right now. I'm yeah. not going to kill you. I'm done. I'm checking it aside. I don't need a lightsaber. I thought to win you meant Vader's lightsaber throw. Uh, I, I, I love the it. catwalk. I I do love that move. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Um, they hadn't quite figured out that like he can force pull it back yet. It was just like he's going to chuck it and then <laughs> well, he'll go pick it up. Well, it does imply that he does because he, he immediately it has it. He again, has it. But... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they, they didn't figure out the effect shot of that, like, boomerang coming back <laughs> yeah, to him. Because yeah. I did notice that. I was like, he's got it again. Did he just go and, like, <laughs> sort through the rubble and was like, I found it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. I found it. <laughs> it's very funny you mentioned this. There's that moment where Luke says, hey, Han, can you grab my lightsaber? And it's like, you can't, you can't use the force for that, Luke? <laughs> I hadn't figured that. Not quite There's that a, precise. <laughs> well. A lot of stuff in his train that I think just got skipped over because, uh, you know, Yoda was dying and they just had to be like, hey, yeah, close enough. Jedi. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a few things he missed, but uh, he'll pick them up eventually in, in the sacred Jedi text. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, fantastic final fight. Ian McDermott, light side for me. Yeah. Seeing the Emperor, uh, potentially your new best friend, Ian McDermott. <laughs> um, yeah, he's very... Very good. And he's, uh, what is he, like 30 in this? Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome that he's he had the opportunity to exist in all of these trilogies. Uh, you know, it was wild to me whenever the new trilogy came out. I was like, that's the same guy. Yeah. I thought he was 160 when they <laughs> yeah, made yeah. that movie. <laughs> no, I guess not. Um, yeah, so big light side there. Uh, I'm just looking to see... If I have any other dark side, another Death Star. You've mentioned it before. Yeah. That kind of like the. It could have just looked different. Could have done it, It's but it's a Star Wars trope, you know. When in doubt, just make it a big, a big circle that can kill a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And we're gonna see that, uh, I believe, coming up uh, next week when we record. Um, but yeah, let's let's. If we're bad guys, we need to have a big ball in space that can blow stuff up. It should be circular. It should look like a planet or a moon. Um, and we'll just keep doing that until we get to, uh, 10,000 ships. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, it would be nice for, for a franchise that's so creative visually to be like, Hey, the last one we did of these really, we biffed it hard on the last Death Star. Um, let's do that again. It would have been cool to, for them to come up with another design, but I get it. You know, it's like, uh, Death Star 2. It's like, okay, fine. Um, so that, that, that is another one. I was like, you did it once. Let's try something else. But it's a Star Wars thing. You fall down a hole, you live, you build a Death Star, <laughs> it blows up. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to spend all that money developing new plans. Just Ugh. scale it up and there you go. And that's really the downfall of the Empire is that they didn't invest in infrastructure for new thinking. But, yeah. you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, uh. Well, BC, is that is that wrap up our, our balancing of the force? I feel like it's pretty balanced. Whew, yeah, I, I think uh, I think on the whole, this of the original trilogy does have the most sort of like 
positive and negative that we can kind of weave our way through. And obviously we could continue to talk about this for a long time, but uh, I think sort of on the whole, we, it's, it's clear we both love this movie. Yes. And this had, like I was saying earlier, the biggest effect on me as a child and was the one that I would continually go back to. Like if given the choice as a youth, I'd be like Return of the Jedi every time. Um, and now it's, it's, it's sort of slipped for me, but I still enjoy watching it. So for me, it does ride that balance of, of tickling my nostalgia, having things that I'm like, mm. my critical eye says not as great, but it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, for me, the, the highest highs are in this movie and definitely the lowest lows. Um, and the, the, the highest highs are mostly like, you know, some cool action stuff here and there. <laughs> like the, the, none of the highs I'm talking about are like character moments for the most part. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I uh, I, I think we, we did a good we did an OK job balancing this one. Um, there's plenty of bad and good to talk about. So I guess we got to figure something out here, BC. Is that right? That's right. What are we going to do with this thing? Are we going to send it to the trash compactor? Are we going to take it apart and sell the bad parts off to the Jawas? Or are we going to keep the whole thing in the cargo hold? It's a very good question. We've now reached the final judgment of Return of the Jedi. For me personally, I'm sticking this in the cargo hold based on the strength of a green lightsaber alone. <laughs> I there's there's no I, I can't sell it for parts as much as there's some stuff that I would definitely get rid of. I gotta I gotta have the whole thing. I gotta keep it in. Man, that it's so cool how long the lightsaber is in shots of, of that. Like, I know it's a cheat, but it looks cool. It is noticeably very long in one of the shots on the barge where I'm like, that thing's eight feet long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is swinging it wildly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you, BC. I mean, going to keep this. We should keep this in the cargo hold forever. Uh, you mentioned some other directors who... Could have been, you know, directing this movie. This could have been a much different movie. Um, I, I wouldn't trade this version for anything with all of its melodrama and BS. It, it, I, I'm just too familiar with it, you know. Um, it's too much nostalgia in there. So welcome to the cargo hold, Return of the Jedi. You did it. You made it. And now it's time for the prestigious Ewan McGregor Award, which goes to our favorite or the best part of the particular movie that we're watching in this case return of the jedi my ewan mcgregor award i'm i'm torn here this is kind of a, a more challenging one there's there's yeah. not a, a big sort of standout for me i think what i want to do is give my ewan mcgregor award to the wielder of the green lightsaber the jedi knight himself mark hamill as luke skywalker in this movie for being for my youth, the most iconic version of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I love I love that that swagger. Um, you can tell Mark Hamill is having fun, you know, having that swagger coming into Chavez Palace. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for this. Like, I'm a Jedi now. <laughs> Ooh, guess who's walking in here, baby? <laughs> it's a badass. Here I come. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Um, it's part of Joseph Campbell's like story circle or whatever that Dan Harmon talks about. There is a part of that circle. So we're getting to, you know, we're coming full circle at the end here where you become a, like a world beating ninja 
And uh, this is the this is the part that he's at is world beating ninja, and he carries that swagger of like, I can walk into any room, be in handcuffs, and know that I'm still gonna roast everybody. And I got like, an eight yeah. foot long green lightsaber. Yeah, you can't compete with an eight foot long green lightsaber, you <laughs> fools. Um, BC, I'm gonna just to be crazy here. Oh, I think Mark Hamill deserves the award, BC. I think there's also a case to be made for uh, Billy D. But Ooh. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my award to uh, Wedge Antilles, man, because yeah. I think uh, I I just I am so delighted every time he's on screen, and I love that he he blows up that tower. That it's like I love the kind of Lando Wedge team of the thing. Uh, so so you Ewan go, McGregor's uncle gets That's the right. Ewan McGregor award. That's right. Who, who advised advised him to not do Star Wars? Do not do it. It'll ruin your career. Um, good thing you and McGregor thought like, twice about that. He's like, uh, like you know what? I, I want to be Obi Wan. Uh, sorry, Uncle, but actually, I'm going to be like a big part in the movie. I think I'd rather be a young movie star, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> good, and good, you see, good call. Have you seen he's already like trying to get a season two of Obi Wan, and it's like, oh well, that'll definitely happen. <laughs> like this night. I'm, t- I'm telling like uh, at this point my critical filter for obi-wan is completely off i'm in the bag yeah. for this so even if it's bad i'll be like i don't i don't think it matters yeah i don't care um so i'm excited about it um so we've we've done our final judgments we've given away the ewan mcgregor award and now it's time for us to rank our films uh from favorite to least favorite um i won't even say least favorite to our favorite to our not as most favorite uh, of these movies, and I want to let you go first because I'm looking at my list and I got some feelings after watching this, and I think I got to do some shuffling here. Man, BC, uh, for a long time I've been I've had Return of the Jedi as my my the top of my slot, but you know my this list shifts around through mm-hmm. my life, and I think I'm going to make a shift uh, at least for the time being here. This is wild to me, but after rewatching all these movies, uh, I am going to. Put and here I'll actually I'll start at the bottom. All right, here we go. Yep, we got on the bottom. We got Solo. Then we have Episode One. Then we have Episode Two. Then we have Rogue One. That's right. I moved Rogue One above Episode Two after some thinking, which is odd. Um, and then we have Episode Three. Then we have this is a wild BC. Uh oh. Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi. A New Hope. You are wild, you um, maniac. I got a hot take. Oh, the, inter- the internet's going to come for you. Um, that's I'm just kidding. No one's listening. Remember that uh, <laughs> secret message code is twin ion engines. That's right. Uh, Which uh, is not something that's found in an X-Wing. It's kind of a counterintuitive code. That's why it's a secret code. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's a secret. Um, and if you can reveal the secret, you could win a Chrome Galaxy trading card numbered parallel that's right big big deal um yeah i was looking at my list and i was like i don't i don't know where i'm at right now i felt i felt a little lost honestly looking at it after this movie and uh and i I, it's weird watching everything so closely together for me because it does make me go which of these am i enjoying the most when i watch them which are the ones when i sit down and watch them all do i 
find myself wanting to go back to the most. So that's how I'm going to sort of reshuffle my list here is is knowing what I know now, having watched one through six and Rogue One and Solo, which of these do I feel most drawn to 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 go back to? So I'm going to I'm going to give you a wild reshuffling of my list. All right. Yeah, let's let's. and I don't want you to come at me with the pitchfork. And I know you won't because here we kind of don't really judge people's Star Wars takes. Uh, it's whatever you like Except is what you like. Except for the bigoted ones. Those <laughs> those I have no problem taking a low dump on any day of the week. Um, but in it, just in terms of personal preference, here's where I'm at this week. And heck, this could change next week. So here we go. Empire Strikes Back, numero uno, king of the hill, <laughs> number one. Number two, here's my wild swing for you. Rogue One. Wow. Wow. Big swing. I know. It's the one that I would, if someone's like, you want to watch a Star Wars movie right now? I'd go, I'll watch Empire Strikes Back or Rogue One. Which one do you want to watch? Then I go New Hope. And if I'm being honest with myself and and, and all of our listeners, I'm going to go Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Then I'm going to go Return of the Jedi. Then I'm going to go Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Solo. Shoot me. Shoot me if you want to, people, but that's where I'm at. That's the list at the moment. I like it, but BC. Uh, By that criteria, yeah, I think I would reshuffle uh, Episode 3 higher as well. Um, But yeah, that's I I like that. I like that take, BC. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I I was really nervous about about giving that list out just because I was like, I, I mean, the... The judgment that I would drop any original trilogy stuff below Rogue One. But you know what? I don't care. I really enjoyed Rogue One. And I, I always do is what I found rewatching. It was like this for, for whatever sort of like some of the inconsistencies in the plot super holds up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a I think that's a very valid take. In fact, I think almost any shuffling of these would be valid. So uh, take that, everybody. There's our rankings. Like I said, subject uh, to change next week. <laughs> we have well, we've done it, BC. We've wrapped up the original trilogy, uh, and that means that we're on to the sequel trilogy. Ooh, things are gonna get spicy. I feel like that's right. I'm I'm pretty excited, uh, BC. I haven't watched those. Um, it's been in a, a while, a hot minute since I have watched any of the a couple years at least, probably for me. So should be fun. So. Now that we've wrapped up the original trilogy, uh, stay tuned next week for when we will be attacking The Force Awakens. Also, be sure to check out our hobby talk. Uh, If you're into top Star Wars trading cards, we spin those off as separate episodes, so be sure to check that out if you're interested in top Star Wars trading cards or just learning a little bit more about why we love it so much. Um, And with that in mind, I'm going to be signing out of the cargo bay today. I'm Brady C., I am Adam B. Thanks for listening, y'all. Close it on up, low dump.